0: darkly splendid abodes. The official podcast of Toronto Thelena. Exploring, if you will, practical philosophy, from science and the workings of the mind, to spirituality, esotericism, and magic. Stooping down, dipping my wings, I came into the darkly splendid abodes. This is part two of our look at what Crowley called the real and perfect ritual of the hexagram. How does it compare with the Golden Dawn's original lesser hexagram ritual? What are the results of invoking Set into the circle? Edward Mason and I continue our discussion on this uniquely Thelemic rite. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law.
1: Part of my enthusiasm for this ritual is the fact that um, right away when I got into the lesser ritual of the pentagram, I started getting a buzz off that, a result, a real jolt from the thing. And even, you know, nearly 30 years later, I still feel when I do one that something has happened. I've kind of aligned the bits of myself the way they should be, um, and I did something worthwhile. I'm not the only person who's done the regular, you know, the lesser ritual of the hexagram, either invoking or banishing, and felt I didn't get that. (laughs) What actually happened there? I mean, I'm sure, you know, results vary, and some people think, oh, it's so profound. I just never have quite felt that the regular hexagram ritual does a great deal. And I was performing it for years as a kind of, Magical good manners thing. So when I did the Star Sapphire finally and uh, got a hit from it, it was like, okay. Crowley says this is the the real or true version of the the hexagram ritual.
0: Mm -hmm. The real and perfect ritual, yeah.
1: The real and perfect ritual. Yeah, I'm kind of down with that one. Definitely, (laughs) I've experienced with this. It's worked for me. I need to be psyched for it. If I'm tired or, oh, I promised I'd do one for myself tonight, but I'm you know kind of pissed off because there's a party down the street going on and uh, the neighbor's dogs are being a pain. No it, no, it doesn't always work. But just occasionally I find I do this, and it's become one of my three or four favorite rituals to perform over the years. So it. It gives something that I don't feel I get from a regular hexagram ritual.
0: It's interesting that you think of it in terms of uh, Hode, because Hode being eight. And there's uh, quite a bit of, I mean, of course, six is the important number overtly because of the mm-hmm. fact that it's six times six is 36, I'm just right in the number of the chapter and all that sort of thing. But then we have so many seven related concepts in here with our Arita, and the fact that we're saying ararita seven times throughout the text. And uh, um, some other little things where it's like fours, and it seems like, I mean, just the LVX and NOX, we have three letters there, but it's actually four signs to go with them. And a lot of these seven correspondences going on.
1: I think this is where it becomes a very complete thing. When you do the, the pentagram ritual, there's a lot built in there. You just do the pentagrams around you, then you switch. You you come down, you, you um gear down the voltage. I can't think of the correct mm-hmm. term. uh to the archangels, which is where you kind of click with the thing. It's like, oh, here's the thing. It's sort of come down to a more accessible level, and then you do the the final cabalistic cross and you center there. Um, as I say, I felt there was something missing from the regular hexagram ritual. Maybe it was more an Aeon of Osiris ritual. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Here you've got all the stuff. And don't forget, again, in Bina that's where we put the, the heptagram. It, it should be logically, you know, it's seven-pointed. It should go in Netzach, but it's the emblem of Babylon. So all of that 70 stuff is pointing us again towards Bina. And there really is this different quality to the NOX stuff that I'll be honest, it took me years to click with it. Even when I was doing it, at first it just didn't, I wasn't, I was looking for a kind of extension of the LVX stuff or working with a fixed definition, you know, my own personal definition of what this is about, what it represents. And it took me a long time to abandon that didactic way of looking at it and say there is something else that is happening here that you cannot define and describe and analyze well. You can only deal with it in the way that Crowley says. If you have to make the NOx signs, um, if you know them, and I don't think it means you looked it up in the book, I mean if you actually know what they mean. If you will and dare and do them and can keep silent about them. The completeness of those signs. It's only when you've got a sense of that or how to enter into that completeness that they begin to put you somewhere else. Hmm. LVX, it's, it's an extension of the Ruach. It's the, the realized you know, analytical, rational, the the first order completed signs. You got there. You made it to first base. NOx puts you somewhere else, and you have to deal with it in, with reverence, and you can only make that reverence meaningful if, as I was saying before with the whole thing of the rude, you throw yourself in and you know to hell with anything. Just toss yourself into the flames.
0: Mm-hmm. There's also, speaking of the rude, there's that uh, aspect of, uh, as you've alluded to generally throughout the ritual, there's a sexual component or a sexual uh, implicit sort of concept going on. And uh, I think the uh, common uh, association with the rude and the rose is to see it as the phallus and the yoni and that sort of thing
1: exactly yes um and of course whether it's a man or a woman or somebody in intersex you're still the phallus as the adept but at the end you often become the rose receiving the effects of the ritual you've Mm -hmm. done
0: yeah it seems to be the union of the two things is where the real magic is happening
1: well you are armed with the magic rude and provided with the mystic rose Mm -hmm. That says something about the relationship of energies of male and female within the rose cross described as a circle with an X. The X represents the phallus. The circle represents the uni.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So, again, it's totally implicit here. Nobody needs to get naked. I noticed one person had done a comment online suggesting that, in fact, you had to do a sex magic right in the middle of this thing. (laughs) If that works for you, try that interpretation. I just found that the ritual itself needed to continue at a particular pace, but there needed to be a pause when you do that set triumphant. You throw your arms up. Try and release yourself in this ejaculatory manner to the all, and then you adopt the sign of Moulier, the sign of Baphomet, and receive the sacrament that comes back when is dualistic ritual sexual and when is sex dualistic magic it's the two become quite interchangeable here um, i'm sure you could do a sex magic ritual using the star sapphire i haven't personally tried that one so um you know Please put in your the comments below your own experience <laughs> and uh, be interesting to know what you found out. But you're omitting the sign of Isis rejoicing with the, the, the child. That is the magical or mystical result of the ritual. The, the, the thing comes to you. You're having to use the, the set energies to get there. Another thing about Set is that, in the LVX signs, um, Isis, Apophis, Osiris are the three signs you make in the the standard lesser ritual of the hexagram. Now, in the mythology and in a lot of the carvings that we found in temples in Egypt, Set is actually in the bark of Ra going, you know, down through the duat at night, Fighting off Apophis. Hmm. I think it's a wrong identification there, and you might want to see if you can find something else. Maybe put Marga in there as opposed to Scorpio Apophis destroyer, you know, Scorpio Mom, and the son, the crocodile son. Um, but you need some other term there, I think, to update the ritual to philemic uh, standards.
0: It's interesting that um, when Michael and I were looking at Liber Reguli, there's a description in the commentary to that that uh, is describing the uh, the word Lashtal or Lostal or however you would like to pronounce that. And he's one of the things he's... Um, breaking it down to is as a form of the tetragrammaton again, Yerhe Vavhe. Um, but it's interesting in that he is, instead of the expected kind of Isis and Osiris pairing, he's using Isis and Set. And uh, right. so this is another case. It seems like Set ends up taking that, that may be, that may allude to um, some of what Crowley Crowley's insights into. Set and its use in magic is.
1: I think the whole Horus set thing is resolved through the Ararita. Um, one is his uh, universe. Oh, let me get the right thing again because being on this podcast, yeah, It reminds I,
0: me of the uh, the Arabic mantra that Crowley was using: hu Allahu Ahad, Allahu Smaad, etc., etc. It's very much the same sort of concept that one is his permutation.
1: Yeah. One is his beginning. One is his individuality. His permutations are one. Everything is one. So you ha- Crowley's genius, and of course, the thing that gets him in most, a lot of trouble, is that he's bringing everything in because you can't exclude mm-hmm. facets of the universe and say, well, I don't want that. that, that, that that's kind of icky or that's, that's dark. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course, that's where you need to go to find the missing bits. There's the other legend where somebody, the uh, the eye of Ra, a lot of legends about you know, missing eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Ra's eye gets lost in the primeval waters of noon, and I forget who goes down to find it, but there's this need to bring stuff back from the darkness. Mm-hmm. You've got to go into the dark. You've got to use the dark. Otherwise, you are, paradoxically end up as the slave of darkness. This is the repressed side of things that you're not allowing in, you're not including it, you're not coming to terms with what it signifies. And not only are you depriving yourself of vital energy, but you're setting up a a no-go zone, which is the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. That is the duality of the Aeon of Osiris. There's Christ, but oh my God, there's the nasty stuff over there that we must fight against, which is was essential in that aeon because it was about developing individual identity. You know, in the aeon of Isis, everyone's part of the collective. In the aeon of Osiris, there's a coming out from that and there's far more information we have about individuals. Now we're getting in the aeon of Horus to the point where that individuality has to be developed to the fullest. But then emanated, ejaculated, projected into the all, so that you actually have the true birth of Horus, the, the child of the Aeon.
0: That seems like a, a really key, important uh, point, Thelemically speaking, because uh, there's so many people who are preoccupied with like, the question of whether Thelema... Or if Aleister Crowley was a Satanist, if he, uh, you know, if Satan plays a role in Thelema I- and what role, if so, and and this sort of thing. And it, what you've just said is a good, concise way of putting it. We, It's inclusive of all things because if you're cutting anything out, you're fooling yourself to think that you can cut anything out of the universe.
1: Yeah, exactly. You cannot You cannot get to ultimate realization when you've got stuff that is not allowed to be included. You have to look behind the, the curtain and see the magician Oz there, which is what conventional thinking is. If you start dealing with that side of things, you know, you've contaminated yourself with evil. And I agree, you need to do a lot of preparatory work. That's what magical training is about and learning to recognize weird stuff that comes up. But eventually, you are liberating the energies that have been put into that ghetto. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I often feel our American friends to the South are suffering intensely from the fact that there has been so much othering of people who do not agree with you, well, whatever side they're on.
0: Othering of your own neighbors.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's empowering the dark side and they're tearing themselves apart. I find it personally very distressing. And um, I'm glad when I meet somebody who gets this and is trying to find their own way to include the so-called shadow side of things. Because the shadow is not just a bit darker than the light. The shadow leads you right into complete darkness. Mm -hmm. That's the point where, when you get to complete darkness, that's where the breakthrough happens, and you need to be very prepared for that encounter, for that realization, for that breakthrough. Perhaps what I'm saying here today is that I think the star sapphire is a very useful tool for getting... Kind of used to that. (laughs) This is the real dark side coming in. I've actually, you know, allowed set to appear in the circle. And oh, I get it. You know, this energy is trying to be included, but it's about dispersion, it's about confusion. Um, one possible interpretation of the name set is foreigner or outsider. We don't really know what it means. Now in Hebrew, which is quite closely related to ancient Egyptian. They're both from the Afro-Asiatic family of languages. Seth, who is the third child of Adam and Eve, that means um, connector or consolation, because remember in the myth, In Genesis, Cain murders his brother, Abel, and they've lost one of their two kids. And supposedly at this point, there's hardly anybody around on the planet, although suddenly a whole population appears out of nowhere. Um, Seth is the consolation. He is the thing that kind of healed. the the murder
0: that that causes you to grow up with some uh, stigmas attached to your <laughs> your place in society when you're thought of as the consolation
1: <laughs> i would imagine so but i have to look at genesis as a myth not a history text mm-hmm. and um there it's not so, <laughs> not, painful, <laughs> not so painful but yeah if that was your actual uh, function in life you know it's I'm there to heal my parents' problems so they don't divorce too early before humanity's really got going. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe, you know, that, that would be a consolation. You're actually uh, <clears throat> doing what's necessary to uh, further the human saga.
0: Now, you said Seth, and I was fully expecting you to relate Seth to Satan because of the fact that you're mentioning Seth as meaning something like foreigner. Uh, Satan meaning adversary kind of has, you know, uh, similar connotations in some respects.
1: I've got to admit, Satan bores me. Um, I've I've not done much in relation to Satan. Set has a much, he's got much more literature. There's all these carvings, there were statues of Set around about in Egypt. Satan sort of crops up, he's a literary figure in the Bible, And at best, he only commands a third of the angels. So he's always outnumbered two to one. I've always thought that we were sold a bill of goods with the, oh, my God, Satan, the the, the terrible, nasty, bad guy. Um, I think when Crowley speaks of Satan, he is talking about something rather similar to the idea of Set.
0: Well, you know, that's that relates to this as well because, I mean, this is uh, with any kind of sex magic connotations that are going on in this ritual, there's a tendency to get a little bit excited where you churn it into completely just a sex orgy thing or you try to negate the sex content. And I think uh, uh, everything is impure to the impure, you know. Yes. And And uh, sexual energy can be an extremely powerful and um sacred thing uh when you approach it right but it can be like a lot of people have very impure relations with it that's exactly the kind of thing that we're we're talking about by like you know you try to cut out parts of the universe then that's all you can see everywhere you know yes
1: (laughs) inevitably comes up it's just projected onto somebody or something else yeah when you can look at all the weirder, kinky stuff in yourself as a thelemite and think, okay, that's that's just stuff. I have a certain amount of self-knowledge. I'm learning a form of psychological self-discipline through magic. I will now choose what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to do things that would be destructive to other people because we're all part of a continuum and therefore it would be destructive to me. i got to be totally selfish here and not screw things up for myself. Uh, When you don't have that sense of continuum, when you don't have any concept of Ararita, or you think that it's a terrible, terrible heresy that shouldn't exist and needs to be stamped down, you are cutting yourself off from wholeness, from maturity, and from coming to terms with your own messiness and imperfections. Mm -hmm. You, you, You can always have stuff. You know, I'm 73, there are things I've never resolved in myself, anxieties that come back again and again, Um, all of that sort of stuff. But I know that it's just things I carry around. Just as you get older, you get physical disabilities. I, I need glasses. I have a certain amount of stiffness in my joints and so on and so on. Psychologically, you have equivalence to that. Magic is about limiting the number of ailments you're carrying around with yourself by having faced and accepted the odd sides of yourself. And here I found that invoking set was not scary, which I thought it might be, but it was actually very healing. There was a sense of, I've got over anxiety. I've got over a sense of alienation from the world. I really feel very connected right now. I think that was the the real kick I've gotten the best times with this ritual. You know, I'm connected. I'm not special. I'm not above everything. I'm not hyper-realized. It's just I feel in touch with life more because the bits that don't usually belong in my conventional life, although I can conventionally talk about, are there and it's okay. There's a terminology for it. There's a way of identifying and observing the petty things in myself. Not, not dreadful evils. I don't think most of us have a lot of dreadful evils, but we have lots of irritating little mental mannerisms that we have to come to terms with. And Set is one way of addressing them because he isn't Satan; he is some being who was worshipped. There were pharaohs who were named after him: uh, Seti the first, Seti the second, a bunch of other guys whose names I can't recall right now. We know that the Egyptians were able to come to terms with sexuality far better than. Um, North American society has been able to do in recent years, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, <laughs> North America uh, was largely populated by Puritans, <laughs> so no wonder. Uh, it's only been a couple of hundred years since uh, they've been broken off as uh, separate countries from, from England altogether.
1: And I think there's a, a desperate feeling in a lot of people who... If one, I think one ripple effect of Thalima is making people aware of shadow material, dark side material. I can understand that that is triggering some rather negative sexual attitudes and practices because you can't keep the lid on it anymore. Society doesn't support the old style repression that meant a lot of things didn't happen. I don't have an American example, but one thing I was reading a couple of years ago, a number of, there was a community of British composers and artists, uh, the composer Michael Tippett, the composer Benjamin Britten, who were gay men. They were approaching the sexuality very timidly. There was a lot of celibacy around, a kind of affection that didn't always get expressed physically, whereas in our time it's like, go for it, I imagine the equivalent to that was happening, is happening still, in American society and Canadian society, where actually being okay with the idea of being overwhelmed by lust and passion is is okay. It's still, we're on this weird disintegrating cultural paradigm at the moment anyway so everything is kind of odd in that uh, zone mm-hmm. and it's not universal obviously overall i think we have developed more understanding and empathy for different forms of a sexual expression but if you're in, in the community that's desperately trying to keep things out that is desperately othering non-mainstream missionary position, heterosexual sex, then, you know, you're going to be tormented and you're going to find it hard to uh, come to terms with your your sexual side. I don't think I'm saying anything here that hasn't been said 10,000 times by other people. It just happens to, you know, come out of this ritual that it leaves you at a point where you can begin to, heal some of your own anxiety, your own misorientation, and your own uh, repressions. Set doesn't do well with repression. He just comes Mm -hmm. a lot and does it.
0: Yeah, it seemed like uh, looking into Reguli, uh, it was a similar kind of idea of um, almost counteracting a lot of your presumptions about things and that sort of thing. So... um... Uh, taking in all things rather than pushing things out and that sort of thing. Um, I think, uh, I mean, even when we're talking about where there's situations like this kind of fear of, uh, you know, if, if people are allowed to explore um, their desires and that sort of thing, then there's going to be all kinds of uh, uh, degenerates and, and uh, uh, criminals and all that sort of thing. It's like, well, there's degenerates and criminals already. That's not. Yes. That doesn't really have anything to do with it. And it they're going to be weird. there. They're going to. They just w- learn to work the system. They're they're parasites in that sense. Where it's like they're they're specifically certain people who thrive in whatever the c- conditions are. They're called sociopaths a lot of the time. But <laughs> you know, it's like, and you can't you can't say that that's because of um, you know taking a certain stance on life. They exist regardless of the going social mores. You know so it has nothing to do with it clearly
1: yeah and we are still very much in this transitional phase between the aeons all of the stuff from the aeon of osiris is falling apart quite rapidly because it's not just christian worship it that underpins certainly in the west and i think internationally so many of our institutions our ways of relating uh, even the ways we set up our commerce derives from biblical models when that archetype is drained of any energy all you're left with is a husk a shell a, a kalipa in kabbalistic terms and it's not an easy time because of that a lot of people are very afraid i talk with people at times i've had discussions about halima where I live with um, people my own generation who are quite open to non-Christian belief systems, but they're still afraid to step away from the values that they've always had that come from the Christian tradition. I accept it's not easy because I too was raised in that. I and my my family weren't church-going, but when I was at school in grade school in England. We had scripture lessons all the time. There were Bible classes once a week. I found them interesting and went through my own wrestling with Christian belief in my late teens, early 20s. When we're still moving into Thelema without having quite come to terms with where it's going to go. And it, it is this quantum leap. It's not about a new moral code. It is about the idea of ecstasy going beyond rational analysis of our lives and our world, that's, how do you describe it? <laughs> like I said, whenever I've done this ritual, I, I don't feel I can actually verbalize things very well other than lame remarks such as, I feel connected to the world much more. Hmm. Um, ecstasy seems to be one of these alienating things that makes you a freak. And certainly in some forms of ecstasy, you feel like a freak after it. You have to watch what you say to people. It's recommended that to anyone who's actually had knowledge and conversation, don't talk about this to anyone <laughs> for a couple of weeks. Okay, just, just you know, stick to small talk at work. Um, hi, hi, how are you in the coffee shop? Nothing more than that, until you've begun to accept what where we're going. That is the qualitative shift that has to happen with Thelema. It will happen. It is happening. But it's a rather slow process. Mm -hmm. Well, as you can see, this is a ritual I've always appreciated as long as I've been doing it. And I was happy to talk about this one. I hope it uh, stimulates people to explore it. And, you know, again, this this is my take on it. It's not, oh, I just gave you the truth. It's like, this is a way of approaching it. Don't get too caught up in definitions of words. Rather, get caught up in the experience of doing it and seeing what comes to you when you let you know, go of things and just go with the flow of the ritual. Well, thank you very much.
0: And uh, we'll talk again soon, 93.
1: 93.
0: Thank you for joining us. Look for Toronto Thelema on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Watch for events in the city, and join us again in the darkly splendid abodes.